0: Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right, good morning, Thrive. Good morning, how you doing today? Good, hey, do me a favor. Can we just welcome everyone that's watching online this morning, come on. Welcome everyone that's watching online. Thank you for joining us. Man, and, and I don't know why, but, but this morning, I just feel like God's doing something special. I'm so excited. To be in the house and uh, to be a part of what God's doing here at this incredible church, and so um, if you have your phones, pull out your phones real quick. Come on, it's the only time I'm going to say that. (laughs) And and if you would um, go ahead and share this on Facebook right now, just share the service. Go ahead and share it to your Facebook right now. Um, We don't do it on Instagram, so sorry, millennials and Gen Zers. But you got to go to Facebook Um, and um, just share it to your friends, your family. You never know who would listen you never know who might actually stop what they're doing and hear whatever is happening here this morning. And you never know what the power of like one invite will do. I'm telling you, okay? So go ahead and share. And if you're watching online, share it to your friends, neighbors, coworkers, family on Facebook as well. And um, I'm just believing that this morning uh, that God just wants to do something really special and significant. Sound good? Cool. Uh, For those that do not know me, my name is uh, Pastor Chris. I serve as the lead pastor here uh, at this amazing church called thrive and uh so excited to have you with us here uh for those that are in the room for the first second third time grateful to have you in the room with us grateful to have you a part of what god's doing here i believe it's not an accident that you're not here uh no pun intended because that's a series name it's all good uh but i do i believe it's on purpose and i believe god um has something for you as well and then um Real quick, before we go into the message, can we just give it up for our dream team this morning? Come on, let's give it up for everyone who served on worship, production, (laughs) connect, kids, coffee, safety, the whole nine yards, right? We couldn't do um, what we do here at Thrive without our dream team every single week. We are so grateful uh, for the individuals, the volunteers who serve every single week. Uh, Love you so much. And and I don't know about you, but, but don't you just love your church, man? Don't you? Like, for those who thrives your home, I love our church. Sitting in the back earlier, uh, getting ready for this morning and uh, just gripped with just affection for this house. And uh, I was talking to my wife about this this week. Uh, You're going to have to pray for me. Um, I felt so bad for first service. They heard all these random tangents. So hopefully you all get a little bit more. Uh, locked in, Chris goes today. Um, but uh, you know, there, there's one thing for for people to believe that uh, other people need your church or need church. Uh, but then there's another thing where pastors are convinced that we need this house as well. And I, and I believe that wholeheartedly that uh, my family, I, I, my family has been so impacted. By this place and the people of this place and I have been impacted I need this place just as much as anyone else just as anyone I would invite to come Um, and and that's that's something special because sometimes let's be honest you can go to a church where it doesn't feel like that and and hey if it's your first second time and you don't feel like that let me know or let us know and we'll help you find a place okay uh don't worry we're all on the same team I promise, uh, we're not gangs out here, okay? It's like Catholics wearing a red bandana and stuff, like, and then Christians wearing a blue bandana and all that. Crazy. No, we're we're on the same we're on the same team for the most part. Unless someone teaches crazy stuff, then we'll have a conversation with you. Uh, but um, we want you absolutely. The heart of this house, the heart of Thrive is that you would experience Jesus, you would know who God is, you would have a real encounter with who the real God is because he wants to have a real encounter with you, Um, that God would stir your heart to love others and love people in a real way, and we believe that God would use this place and I believe the church at large to heal a broken world, I really believe that. And so that's our heart for you, that's our heart here at this house, and uh, I'm just grateful to have you with us. So hey, do me a favor, stand your feet, we're gonna read the word this morning. Let's jump in, I'm excited, to share what God has put on my heart I believe for this house um, and what he's going to do this morning so let's go ahead and do it Um, go to Philippians chapter 1 we've been on this series in the book of Philippians every week Uh, and so we're just going to continue verse 19 through 29 it says this it says for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ that will turn out for my deliverance It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus, because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Come on now. that for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Jesus, I pray this morning for us. I pray for my friends. God, I pray that you'd continue to do what you're doing here at Thrive. I pray that you do what you want to do in this room right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Let our hearts and our minds be open to what you have to say to us. Everyone hearing, whether they're in the room or watching online. And I ask that you would continue to do what you want to do. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Go to and have a seat. Go and have a seat. I uh, want to honor uh, Pastor Eric Baca, who preached last week, did an incredible job. Our Pastor Emeritus. It's good to have him. We'll have him again next month. And um, we've been on this series on Philippians. And, and I'm, I'm going to just, I, I'm kind of going to treat this, I realized I was trying to treat it, like a message, and uh, first service, I, I realized it didn't really work. So um, I think God wants to do something a little different. I, I want to kind of treat this like a conversation, if that makes sense. Um, but definitely, don't like raise your hand and ask questions because that would just be awkward. And we could talk after, but uh, kind of kind of like a sit down uh, talk conversation. And and I think why, as as I was kind of thinking through this, is because this passage. It is one, it's probably one of the most iconic passages in the New Testament, right? In uh, Christian writing, right? Paul makes this bold statement. He says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think many people who've been around Christian circles or church world, come on, know that passage. Like, I think everyone, let's be honest, might have worn a T-shirt once in their life that had that passage on it. Come on, let's be real. And that's cool. And, um, but, but I, I believe there, there is such a, and, and this is the case for every word, for sure, because how many know that the word of God is so powerful, right? Uh, but in particular, this passage, there's such a weightiness to what Paul is saying and, and I believe that if we could really catch this today, that it would really help some of us in our walk, in our relationship with Jesus. I really do. Paul is describing this idea of, of, of what I would define it as. And, and what I think the main point of the conversation is today is he's describing this idea of living in a different era. Okay? I believe that Paul has grasped something through the teaching of the Holy Spirit, through the heart of God, through his own life that is not just for him or not just the church of Philippi, but is for everybody who would say I'm trying to follow Jesus. And and what do I mean by living in a different era? I believe that us as People who follow Jesus, us as individuals who would call yourself a Christian, or who would who would want to grow in your relationship with God, um, live in this weird reality, and it's this: is you are called currently to live in a present reality, right? The day to day, the everyday, right? You got to do what you have to do in your normal life. But the difference between us and what I would say is others who may not know Jesus, is that Jesus not only calls us to live in a present reality, but he also calls us to live in an eternal reality. We live in this tension, family, where we are not just doing things for now, but we are getting ready for what's ahead. And can I be honest with you, I believe it's in the heart of God And it's biblical to not only live getting ready for what's ahead, but to begin to let the next reality, the next eternity, uh, the next era to begin to influence and affect and be lived out through our life now. So let me give you an example. David is an Old Testament guy, right? David, David's the man. You don't know who david is go look at him up he's the man right dude that killed giants all that good stuff david lives as an old testament person individual in an old testament context but i believe taps into the heart of god where he begins to live a new testament discipleship reality in the old testament he skips an era Right? He has access to God like very few, if not anybody in the Old Testament has access to God. He is worshiping God 24-7. He's wearing like priestly robes and stuff. He's doing all these sorts of things. I believe Paul is doing the same thing. Why do I say this? Because Paul is so convinced of heaven that he tells Philippi, and, and, and I love this because Paul is, is vulnerable in this moment. I don't know about you, but you you ever have a time in your life where you're just like, man, if I can get out of here. Before Before you're saved, before you know Jesus, that's worry, anxiety, fear, depression that can set in. And you think that life is not worth living. Come on, some people have went through that, experienced that. Paul's experienced it in a different way. Paul is saying... It's not that life isn't worth living. It's that I know that the next life will be just as great, if not greater, than my current life. Paul in his vulnerability is sharing that, guys, it's been hard. This has been tough. I've been stoned. People have cursed at me. People have yelled at me. I've been shipwrecked. And even the, the funny like dichotomy of the story is the book of Philippians is actually known as the joy book and it's when Paul's in prison which tells me that the joy of God is not predicated on our current circumstances come on now that it doesn't matter what I'm going through currently that God has something for me that's bigger than the circumstance that I'm going through currently Paul is expressing this reality in this passage he's saying look guys I'm kind of done. <laughs> and I, I could relate to that so much. But he says, but, 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 it's okay. I'm gonna stay a little longer. Why? Because it's more important that I stay than if I go. But my heart is so, I just, I just wanna be so with Jesus. Here 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 is where I would say is, the most challenging part as I was preparing this passage is, and as I was getting ready for this week, do I, do I, do I live like that? And, and listen, I think for some of us, we think that pastors are like off the hook, but I'm telling you, they're not. Okay, sometimes we think that, man, pastors got it all together, we don't. And when I come behind this stage, at least for myself, and I know my team, uh, anyone who comes on this stage has not just l- educated themselves in the word, but has let the Holy Spirit convict them and have tried their very best to embody this word. So that way it's, we're not preaching at you. We are letting Jesus teach us together. So as, I, as I'm getting ready for this, to, get, to, to teach this and to talk about this, I'm just like, Jesus, do I love you the way Paul does? Am I convinced of this reality? Do, do, I, do I live in a place where even though I'm presently here, I also know for a fact that one, I'm going to heaven, and two, that, that line between heaven and earth is really thin because I have experienced heaven in my current reality today. Right, because for Paul, it's, it's no big deal. Why? Because Paul is worshiping Jesus on earth like he would in heaven. Paul is experiencing God on earth like he would in heaven. Paul understands the fellowship of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit on earth like he would in heaven. And so for Paul, it's like, I can just go home. I don't need to be with y'all. He's like, y'all are drama anyways. So let's just be honest. Come on, you ever have that, that season of your life where it just feels like everything's going wrong? But the cool thing about Jesus is even though everything's going wrong, Paul says there's still a plan and there's still fruit, even though it doesn't go the way I think it should go. You and I are called to live in a different era. I think this is where, I said this first service, that hypocritical Christianity Could have a root from is where we tend to live our life based on how a Christian should act today in a present reality versus living our life the way Jesus has called us to live when we go to heaven and we are glorified in the Son through the gospel. So we live our life based on present day Christianity versus biblical Christianity that God has called us to live our life in the future. And next thing you know, that's where I believe hypocrisy comes from because we are living our life as Christians based on how people want us to be versus where God has designed us to be forever. Because I don't know if you know this, that right now, this is like practice, guys. This is not the game. (laughs) like we can for so long be so focused on the now and God's like guys I have an eternity with you this is like a little bit a little bit right the word says life's but a vapor it goes like that Why is that so important? Because we can get so caught up on now and we forget that God has called us with an eternal mindset. And a kingdom mindset is an eternal mindset. A biblical mindset is an eternal mindset. And people who are mature in following Jesus understand the concept of eternity rather than just dealing with the situation now. But it's a tension that's like easier said than done. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, we freak out on things now. Just last night, 1 a.m., living in River Islands, as some crazy people blew up a bunch of fireworks near my house. Devil's a liar. I got a two-month-old. She's asleep. Thank God she sleeps like her dad. And like, hey, for real, you know you're getting old Like back in the day, I wouldn't call the cops, but I thought about it. Come on, you know you're getting old when you think, man, I'm just gonna call the cops on them right now. I'm gonna call the cops on them. You know you're getting old when you go to Home Depot and like you're happy. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, ooh, washers, countertops. You're like, what happened to my childhood? It was crucified. It's easier said than done because we already in our humanity like everything the way it is and we want to be control of everything. And Paul's like, "Eh, I don't care. What 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 a boss. This is the guy who told the church of Corinthians who was overly spiritual and who talked in tongues a lot saying, hey, I don't mind if you talk in tongues, but just so you know, this is the right way to do it. And hey, on a side note, I talk in tongues more than all of you. What a like gangster in the Bible. (laughs) I talk in tongues more than all of you. I think you, you think you talk in tongues? (laughs) Ha, you're funny. This is the guy who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. This is the guy who we are here because of him. If he didn't go west toward the and start planting churches westward, which ended up bringing the gospel to Europe, which Europeans ended up coming to America, and America ended up becoming a nation that was founded on Christian values, we would all be atheists or Buddhist. For real. It is Paul. And Paul in this statement is like, eh, it doesn't matter. Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live on earth is cool. For me to die, it's cool. Why? Because I am so enamored and I am so in love and I am so in relationship with the reality of Jesus. And I know who God is convinced in my heart that it doesn't matter because if I'm gonna be in heaven, I'm just gonna do heavenly things. And if I'm gonna live on earth, heaven's gonna come to earth through my life. Either way, Christ will be magnified. And he even has the, like, 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 it's not arrogance. It's biblical confidence. Paul says, and listen, it's good that I stay because through me, you'll love Jesus more. Yeah. If we said that today in like American Christianity, people would be like, it's a cult. <laughs> Paul's trying to drink, try to get everyone to drink the Kool-Aid. How dare he talk about how it's him. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Paul's like, no, it's me. You love God and you're gonna glory in God more because I'm here. <laughs> this is not because he's arrogant but this is because the reality of heaven on paul's life he lives in these two and 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 we'll learn this in a couple weeks paul tends to do this in his writings where he gives you like a costco sample and then dives deeper in later on in a couple verses so in a couple weeks we'll, we'll talk about it more this idea of living in two realities. But, but here, here would be my question as I was preparing and as I was, I was getting ready is um, how do I do that? Like for me, how, how do I live in a different era? How do I get to the place where my life begins to embody heaven, where my life begins to look like what I'm gonna do for the rest of eternity now? And as people who follow Jesus, this is really important because eternity matters. Let me give you an example. The reason why we will, at this house, be so aggressive on reaching people who don't know Jesus, it's not because I wanna change their current reality, but I also believe that Jesus will transform their eternity forever. I am not just interested that they get healed, that their heart gets mended, that God heals their mental state, that God would heal them from addiction. I'm good with all that because I believe God does that. But if that's the only thing I believe in, then I am tampering with the line of self-help Christianity and humanistic Christianity versus biblical eternal Christianity. Jesus is interested in souls for eternity, not just moments right now in the present reality. So we're gonna go after prodigals and we're gonna, go do, we're gonna do youth conferences and kids camps and we're gonna reach cities and we're gonna plant campuses, why? Because there's eternity at stake. We're gonna keep growing services, why? Because we want people to meet Jesus. I don't care if people if our church gets bigger, that's so shallow. No, it's because souls need the gospel. There's young people and older people. There's there's people, every gender, every background, every age, every demographic. They need Jesus. And I believe God has designed this church, like all the other churches in the area, to to go after the one. Why? Because God is looking to rescue people from 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 a life of hell and an eternity of hell. They're going to hell forever. I'm not saying you're going to hell forever. If you know or might not know, that's up to you and the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna let you handle that. But a blanket statement, absolutely. When eternity is in perspective, current reality changes. What we do now is different than if because we know what's gonna happen later. It's like when you watch an action movie for the first time. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like like a, like I'm, I'm I'm like really into like the nerdy stuff. I don't know. You might not know that because I wear, like, cool sneakers, but I'm actually, like, a really big nerd, and, like, especially with, like, Marvel and Star Wars, and, like, it's the best when I go watch it, and then I go, like, watch it, or I watch it at home with my wife or my kids, and they have no idea what's going to happen. Anybody have joy in that? That might be very, like, sadistic in some ways, but, like, like, very, like, like, yeah, look, I know before you do, right? Like, like I just, and, and my wife hates it because when I'm watching a movie and I know what's gonna happen and I know like the plot twist is coming, I just stare at her. I'm like waiting for the reaction. And I love my wife, when she's horrible. She never gives the reaction the way she's supposed to. And so I'm just praying. I'm like, Jesus, let her have some emotion because someone's about to die right now in the movie. And she's just like, meh. And I'm like, whatever, I give up. You respond to the movie different when you know what's going to happen at the end. That's the tension we live in. We don't live our life based on what's currently happening. We live our life for what's going to happen at the end. Paul is describing this reality. So how do we live in a different era? Number one is when Jesus is our everything, we can lose nothing. That's really difficult. But it's so biblical. It's so true. Paul's like, it doesn't matter what I lose. It doesn't matter what I gain, it doesn't matter what I lose, because I have Jesus. That statement sounds really good. It's tweetable. Go ahead, you can tweet it. You're all this good. Just tag me in it, okay? <laughs> Take out your phone, put it on Instagram, all that good stuff. I like it. But to live that, that's heavy. Meaning that, right, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. If I have everything, that's awesome. If I don't, it's also awesome. Right? Single people, if I get married, that's awesome. If I don't, that's also awesome. Right? If my kids love Jesus, which I believe you intentionally need to develop them, that's awesome. If my kids decide to go away, it's not awesome, but I'm still going to love Jesus. I have everything I need. What do we need to do in our humanity to get to the point where Jesus is our everything? Because when Jesus is your everything and he is the one who satisfies your heart, then you really don't need anything else to fulfill it. This is how we learn to live in a different era because we understand that we have everything we need now. Jesus is our everything. Now, that's easier said than done for sure. So for me, how, to, how does this become a reality? Well, number one, we need to understand we're loved by the Father, we need to understand, how do, how do we get to the place of surrender and surrendering everything? Well, number one, you gotta understand you're loved by the Father. You gotta understand that God really loves you because you will give up things for the sake of love. The Father really, it is in the heart of God. Listen, family, God is, God is in heaven. He loves you. Don't be wrong. He also like gets angry sometimes and stuff, but for the most part, If you would understand this, that he loves you, that if we would catch the understanding of the father heart of God, that the father has plans for us and he has a life for us and that his love is radical and unconditional, it's easy to lay things down. It's easy to surrender to Jesus. It's easy to begin to make Jesus our everything because the Father loves us. It's easy to trust God when we understand that the Father loves us. We talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago about increasing our love capacity, for example. And I know that sounds very basic and fundamental, but I'll tell you, I believe the reason why people are sometimes scared to make Jesus their everything is because they feel that the thing they're holding on to loves them more than the, than the Father does. Because you have felt acceptance and affection from it, but can I tell you that all affection and acceptance on earth is nothing compared to the affection and acceptance of the Father? How does Jesus become our everything? We have an understanding that we are loved by the Father. How does Jesus become our everything? We're empowered by the Spirit. You can't do this alone, we have to be empowered by the Spirit. We have to be empowered by the Spirit. That word in First Philippi, in Philippians uh, verse 19, it says, um, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That word means to supply, to furnish, and to give whatever is necessary. If you are trying to surrender your life and things in your life that you know are getting in the way of your relationship with God in your own strength, you will never be able to do it. You need the Holy Ghost to help you. You need the Spirit of God to rest on you, to be inside of you. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need to be open to the Holy Spirit coming. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to be the greatest influence in your life you need to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. You need to trust the Holy Ghost. And listen, the Holy Ghost is not a vibe. It's not goosebumps on a Sunday. It's not when Pastor Juan hits the song right. Come on now. Right, he hit the note, ooh, that was the Holy Ghost. No, that was probably him practicing his vocals. No, the Holy Ghost is the thing that breaks yokes, that the Bible says. Chains and bondages. It's the anointing of Christ. It's, the, it's, it's, it's rivers of living water, how he talks about rushing through individuals. It's the spirit of God that comes like a dove and rests on you. It's the fire of God that burns sin away. You need the Holy Ghost. And we, are, we need it. God forbid that a church would do everything that a church can do And that Jesus would look down on us on heaven and say, man, they did all that and they didn't even need me. God forbid that we would believe that we can do this life without the Holy Spirit. It was never designed like that. Paul says, by your prayers and by the help of the Spirit, you will learn what it's like to understand to live as Christ and to die as gain. And then number three is How do I make Jesus my everything? We're loved by the Father, we're empowered by the Spirit, and we become like the Son. This isn't so that way you can become a better you. I've said this often, and I firmly believe this, especially like in an identity culture that is so caught up in personal identification Listen, Jesus is not interested in you becoming a better you. He's interested in you becoming like him. That's the gospel. The gospel is that you and I become like Jesus. We are formed in the image of the Son. We are grafted into the image of the Son. God begins to renew our creation, rebirths us by the Holy Spirit so that way we can begin to look and act and think like Christ. That Jesus was the perfect model of what it's like to be on this earth and that Christians are designed to follow his ways and become like him. By the Spirit of God, through the love of the Father, you and I begin to become formed like Jesus. Do you understand that the Trinity is at work in you? I say this often because I mean it, that God has meetings in heaven and is like, okay, how are we gonna make this work with this person? Okay, I'm gonna show them how much I love them. Okay, I'm gonna empower them by the Spirit. And I'm going to begin to form them to become like the image of the sun. I'm going to begin to have them look like Jesus on the earth. Paul is in this reality. Paul is, right, he says this in another book. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Meaning, I am following Jesus. I I am becoming Jesus on earth. And and though I am not becoming Jesus, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're all mini gods and and mini Jesuses walking around. That's, that's, That's heresy. That's wild. What I'm saying is, though, is that our reality begins to look more like Christ, more like Jesus, more like the Spirit of God, because that's where Jesus is. And if we're going to spend time with Jesus and he's in heaven and you act like who you spend time with, come on. Who you are with in proximity, you begin to identify with and you begin to function as. If I'm beginning to spend time with Jesus, then I should start acting like Jesus. If I am spending time with the Spirit of God, I should begin to be empowered by the Spirit of God to become like the Son. And it's in this place where Jesus becomes our everything because I'm living like him. If I can be honest, this is the heart that I would have for this house and for you. That we would be a house that would understand the love of the Father. We would be a house that would be influenced by the Holy Ghost. And we would be a house that begins to look like Jesus and not like something else. I want to look like Jesus. And last point, and I'm going to close, is how do we live in a different era? How do, how, do, how, do, how do I live in that? I believe we live in that when radical becomes the new normal. I'm, I'm going to stand up for this. Um, so so as I was I was preparing, right? And I was I was getting ready, I I, I tend I, I was tending to be like, man, Paul, this is some intense stuff, bro. Like, this is some real this this real. This hard. This is some hard teaching. You you want you want everything? You you you're saying that I, I, I need to live a life that that's you know, releases heaven. You you're saying that I need to live, even though I'm in this present reality, and, and I'm in Lathrop, and I'm here right now. But but I need to I need to have eternity in mind, and I, my life needs to begin to look like what Jesus's life looked like, and and that requires a a, a place of intimacy and, and a place of surrender, and and I, I just you know, in the things he's talking about, being of one mind, of one vision, vision side by side, working by the gospel, being of one spirit, all these things. Uh, the idea, even that man, it is okay. it's been granted to you that you've been suffering because in your suffering you are becoming like Jesus what a heavy thing to say that what God is saying what Paul is saying is that the things that have happened to me God has allowed because there's a plan behind it and it is made for my deliverance it was not made to break me but it was made to build me Paul what are you saying I tended to, as I was reading this week, again and again, this passage. God, this is radical. God, this is radical. This is some radical stuff. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit saying, No, Chris, this isn't radical. This is normal. This is, th- Paul is not describing radical Christianity, Paul is describing normal Christianity. And if I could tell you, if there's ever a day where radical needs to become the new normal, God is not saying we need radical Christians. God is saying we need normal Christians that have a biblical understanding of how to follow Jesus. And what the world would define as radical, God would say, this is just a normal Tuesday. And that's where we need to get. I'm convicted of this in my heart, I really am. I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching to myself, is do I live a life that embodies Philippians 1, 19 through 29? Do I live a life where I would be firmly convinced that I would go to heaven, that I would release Jesus on the earth, that I would be a person where people would look at me and and they would see who Jesus is and that my life would allow them to have greater glorification in Jesus and God? Am I living a life of full surrender? Am I living a life where Jesus is everything? And because Jesus is everything, there is nothing I can lose because there is nothing that I need except for him. And if I am not living that life, then what's getting in the way? Is it my boredom, my distractions, my comparisons? my craving for attention? Is it my addiction? Is it my shame? Is it my guilt? Is it my past? Is it my current situation? Is it fear? What is it, God? And and I'm not not saying these these as examples. No, I'm asking these questions. What is it, God? God, I ask that you, I, 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 I was praying, I was like, God, I ask that you make me radical. And God's like, I'm not trying to make you radical. I'm just trying to make you normal. But I'm trying to make you normal like me. And could we lay down the lie? Because that's what the enemy will do, is he will say, well, you're just being radical. You just need to get radical. Jesus is like, I don't need you to get radical. I need you to just become like me. Because my normal is not your normal. And I will ruin you for your normal. Let my normal become your normal. Let my radical become your normal. And your definition of radical would begin to dissipate because you would understand, listen, family, I believe this, that the world does not need a bunch of normal Christians how we define it. The world needs a bunch of Christians how Jesus defines it as being normal. So two questions, I'm gonna close. Does our life emanate Jesus? Paul would ask us, Thrive, Lathra, Paul, Paul would come, I just think about it, if Paul like just showed up, right, if we just had like a time machine or something, and Paul would be like, that's cool, that's cool, you do all these fancy things, that's cool, the the building's great, and the the lights are great, and I, don't get me wrong, I love it, I love the lights, the building, all all the good stuff, I, I, I love systems, I love church structure, I love all of it, but Paul would say, does your life actually emanate Jesus? When's the last time someone looked at you and was like there's something different? When's the last time you brought someone to Jesus and it wasn't because you were in the building on a Sunday? When's the last time you actually loved on your neighbor? When's the last time you actually loved on a family member? When's the last time you actually prayed for someone and not because you wanted something? Does your life emanate Jesus? And the second question he would ask us is does our death imply heaven? Come on, do you know where you're going? For some of us, we do. For some of us, we don't. I believe God needs to fix that. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.